And now, without further ado, here he is with the only shirt in his closet, a purple golf shirt. Here's Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. What a great day. (laughs) (laughs) One shirt in your closet. Come on. There's maybe two or three. What is going on in your world? Just having a good time, enjoying the summer, looking forward to the fair and rodeo, as I always do. And it's just a great time of year. It, Love uh, it. You know, this is a cool, nice day. It is. Yeah. It is. We were down in St. George last week, and it was a hot, hot day. I called Ken, and he was doing some work outside in the yard, and you could tell by the tone of his voice that he was a little heat frazzled. <laughs> <laughs> yes, more than that. What are we going to talk about today? Oh, okay. Now, as you think about transportation, of getting from one place to another in the Old West... There were a lot of methods. The one that I'm going to talk about today is the rivers. Yeah, okay. I mean, you know, and if you think about it, river travel would have been the easiest in some cases. Yeah, when but, they when they got into the Midwest, of course, a lot of the areas by Missouri and everything, there was a lot of river travel. Yeah, yeah and it helped them a lot. So, yeah. so we're going to start right here in Idaho at the Snake River and Hell's Canyon. So... 1862, three men from the Army Corps of Engineers claimed that they walked up the Snake River from Lewiston to Boise. Then they returned down the Snake River by raft. Their mission was to determine if the water route was a practical method to reach the new gold fields that were around Boise. Mm -hmm. Well, beginning their trip in September and concluding it in October, they claimed to be the first white men to navigate Hell's Canyon. Since there were no witnesses to this uh, so-called accomplishment, nobody could really argue their uh, cause. What okay. was the river like in those days? I mean, I, I, water's water, river, river, but I mean, things were a lot wilder. Oh, yeah. I, and I've never been up there. I, I, one of these days I want to make that trip. Yeah. But Hell's Canyon is the deepest gorge on earth. It lies in a broken basalt upland known as the Snake River Plateau. It is 7,500 feet deep, Mm. a third of a mile greater than the deepest portion of the Grand Canyon. Wow. So the river drops about 1,400 feet during the 200-plus miles uh, that these three men claim to have rafted. Mm. A place called Granite Creek Rapid, one of these the men would have faced, is uh, exceeded nationally in the water volume and vertical descent only by a falls called Lava Falls on the Colorado River. Mm. Now, I've got a friend that went down the Colorado, and he talks about Lava Falls being one of the worst to float, and this granite uh, one is supposed to be that or worse. These men claim to have floated through that. Really? Now, the explorers claimed they were charmed by the country. Uh, submitted a glowing report to Washington, D.C. The three men stated they found nothing in the water to impede navigation and that it was passable any season of the year unless clogged by ice. Now, uh, such an optimistic report naturally caused a lot of excitement in Lewiston. Uh, if this was correct, then steamboats could go upriver from the city of Lewiston with supplies for the miners and homesteaders, and the miners could ride the steamboats to new claims. The report stated also, quote, 
gold in all the ravines and gulches. Do you think that somebody was flowering up the statement? <laughs> I think they went a few days down the river, just camped for a month, and then went back. Yeah. Anyway, so, in fact, Lewiston's first newspaper added to the excitement. Uh, it published an optimistic editorial, and here's what it said. It said, the shrill whistle of the steamer will reverberate along the banks of this noble river, and its echo will be heard for ages yet to come through the ravines, gorges, and canyons, as well as on the mountaintops in our golden land as a symbol of ambition and perseverance. Mm-hmm. And I have to laugh a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, okay, so a few years later, a steamboats, steamboats did attempt to navigate the Snake River between Lewiston and Fort Boise. But they found the route different from the one that was advertised, and there was a boat or a steamboat called the Colonel Wright, and it failed in an attempt to go up the river during the summer of 1865, and serious doubts arose concerning the accuracy and the competency of the Corps of Engineers report. So this thing was kind of in limbo and nobody really knew the truth for a while. And then we're going to get into that. I figured <laughs> this you would. might be a good spot. It would be a good spot for me to tell everybody about Zach and the crew at Minicasha Sales. 1321 East Main Street in Burley right across from the airport. Right now, right this very minute, Zach and the whole fo- all the folks over there at Minicasha Sales are serving the public with the best of lumber packages, all the shingles, either metal or asphalt, and upgrading windows with the Western windows to save on your heating and cooling bills. And as I mentioned yesterday, all the Tartar from and ranch gates and panels, everything for you right there at Minicasha Sales. 1321 East Main Street in Burley. Don't forget, stop in and see them. And they are the proud sponsor of this Doctor History. And without further ado, here he is with his steamboat. All right, here we are on the Snake River. It's 1863. The steamboat was named after the commandant of the Army Post at the Dallas, Oregon, and it was called the Colonel Wright. And it was built, uh, again, it was a stern wheeler designed with a shallow draft, uh, so the 110-foot long and 21-foot wide vessel could navigate the swift waters of the Upper Columbia and the Lower Snake. So the wind often was a problem, so the craft actually carried a mast rigged with a square sail, and it was rated at 150 tons. Now, I don't really know what that means. Ooh, I, I was just going to ask you that. I lean forward <laughs> to ask. I, I'm assuming that means that's how much it could carry. Okay. So, anyway, so it could carry supplies and heavy equipment to Idaho's developing mines, supposedly. Yeah. But it did work on the upper, the, uh, upper Colorado and, and part of the Snake. Anyway... It was launched on October 24, 1858. The boat was commanded by a guy named Captain Leonard White. Now, the craft was the first steamboat to run the rapids of the Upper Columbia and the Lower Snake. For the first two years of operation, the Colonel Wright ran between the Dalles in Oregon. You know where that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Umatilla Landing uh, and Priest Rapids right through that area. So there were some kind of rapid-type areas that it did go through. Okay. Well, in the spring of 1861, the Colonel Wright made his first journey up the Snake into the Clearwater River. And after hauling supplies for Idaho's booming mining town of Pierce City to Slaterville, 40 miles up the Clearwater, the boat returned to moor at that river's junction with the Snake. Okay. Now, the place was called, uh, and this is an Indian name that I'm going to pronounce absolutely perfectly. Uh Uh-huh. Tsimanikum. (laughs) 
Yeah, well, that was <laughs> that was really, really... That's the way it's spelled. It was bad. <laughs> anyway, it's a Nez Perce word, okay. meaning where two rivers meet, which would have been uh, the clear water and the snake, where ah, they meet. Okay. There you go. And, of course, this site soon was renamed Lewiston, Lewiston, ah. Idaho, Okay, in honor of Meriwether Lewis, of course, of the Lewis and Clark expedition. Well, you've been to Lewiston, I know, Zeb. Many, but, many times. Uh, if you can imagine, a tent city with thousands of occupants sprang up at the newly established inland port. And that's really what it was. It was kind of a port city, but, you know, inland a long ways. Sure. But steamboat transport uh, generated a steady flow of commerce to this young town. It was, it was really good. But in 1860, three Washington businessmen formed the Oregon Steam Navigation Company. The owners had heard of the alleged journey up the Snake River through Hell's Canyon by a party from the Army Corps of Engineers. They were determined to be the first company to send a steamboat through that section of water to service the Boise Basin and the Idaho City Mines. Let me ask you a question right there. It seems to me like these businessmen should have been much more careful and perhaps uh, scouted and or had scouts to look at this thing. (laughs) Well... They were taking the word of the Army Corps of Engineers. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I just can't help but laugh a little bit there. Anyway, uh, with its shallow draft and carrying capacity, the Colonel Wright seemed to be the ideal boat for this mission. So the uh, president of the company, uh, actually this Captain White, like I say, he was the captain, reduced his salary from $500 to $300 a month. Well, the captain quit. I'm not going to do this. Uh huh. So he was replaced by a guy named Captain Stump. 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 Never trust Never. a stump. stump. A native of Nashville, Tennessee, who actually had a lot of experience on the Sacramento River, uh, but was unfamiliar with Idaho's rugged waters. Amen. Now, I have told stories about the Sacramento River and the steamboat races and yes, one thing and another. I remember like that. that. Yeah. yeah. And so this guy was familiar with that, but it was no nothing like Idaho. Okay. Well, spring of 1865. It's mid-June of that year. An exuberant Captain Stump and his equally excited assistant, William Polk Gray, left Lewiston and pointed the steamboat upstream. Oh, boy. Its crew and two passengers expected to travel through Hell's Canyon to the Boise Basin with no problem. I mean, according to the reports, it's supposed to be an easy ride, right? Just a cruise to enjoy. <laughs> anyway, it was slow going for the steamer. The rapids and Now, this is fully loaded, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I assume they had a bunch of okay. uh, stuff to transport, okay. but it was slow going for the steamer. Uh, the rapids encountered during the first two days were the worst Captain Stump had ever seen. The boat pulled itself up through several of these rapids using a steam capstan and heavy cable. Now, I believe that is one of those round things that you hook the cable around and it turns and pulls the cable, pulls the boat. Yeah. So. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No. Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamins. 
The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Anyway, the captain began to suspect the river might be even rougher upstream. Mm -hmm. But he didn't give up. I see. If he mastered Hell's Canyon and brought service to the Boise Basin mines, he would be a hero. It also would open steamboat service to the Salmon and Powder River Mining Districts. Well, so here we are. It's the fourth day. Travel upriver was nearly impossible. Things are going bad. The boat nearly capsized the following afternoon after traveling 73 miles in four and a half days, the journey ended. They're not making good time. (laughs) They're not. Well, so it was near a place called Gold Rush Rapid. The Colonel Wright stalled and turned back. And soon after beginning the return trip, the boat struck a boulder, slammed into a submerged rock, uh, and I'm going to read uh, a part of the journal of this uh, William Pope Gray, his journal describing this little No, this is part the captain, it. right? No, this is his assistant. Assistant. Yeah. And here's what he says. He says, The boat was caught in a bad eddy. Thrown into the current from the Idaho shore, it carried away eight feet of her bow, keel, and sides of the deck. Things looked desperate for a moment. Captain Stump gave an order from the pilot house to get out a line on shore. You never saw such a universal willingness to get on shore with that line. Every deckhand, the mate, the chief engineer, the fireman, and our two passengers, who were standing forward watching the boat, seized the line by both ends, the middle, and wherever they could get hold of it, and jumped ashore. Now, now wait a minute. I've got to ask you a question there. In that particular area, how wide and how deep is the river? I, I really don't know. I have never been in Hell's Canyon. Because it makes it sound there like shore was right yeah, there. Yeah, I think it, uh, that it's got to be similar to the Middle Fork of the Salmon. Yeah. I've been on that. Yeah. And so a rapid, fast river, but not real wide. So anyway, so they jumped ashore. The only people left on the boat were Captain Stump and myself in the pilot house and a second engineer who was below and old Titus the cook. Before they could always keep the cook. Always keep the cook. (laughs) But you know, before they could make the line fast, the boat was caught by the current, went downriver half a mile. Here Captain Stump succeeded in beaching her. So there must have been some beach areas that he was able to ram it ashore. And it lost eight feet of its uh, bow, you said. Yeah, and and part of the upper structure it was still floating. So Anyway, the crew and passengers scrambled down the riverbank and reboarded the beat-up and maimed Colonel Wright. Now, they weren't real bright. (laughs) Well, keep in mind, you're in a canyon, so to walk out uh, may have been a worse option. Yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah, so anyway, uh, the Colonel Wright, the sides had been torn open and were leaking badly with the paddle wheel nearly destroyed and the rudder cracked. Captain Stump nosed her into the current and let the flow of the river carry the crippled boat home. Uh, all the way? It took four and a half days to struggle upriver as far as this Gold Rush Rapids. It took three and a half hours for the Colonel Wright to get back to Lewiston. You're kidding me. <laughs> so that's how fast. Four days versus three and a half hours? Yeah. yeah. 
but the steamboat was so badly damaged from the attempt to master Hell's Canyon that only the engines could be salvaged. There was it was shot. It was destroyed. Well, now that must have been a heck of a ride. Oh yeah, I'm thinking it was. But Captain Stump had proved beyond all doubt that it wasn't practical to navigate the canyon in a steamboat. But it was a bitter blow to all the miners isolated along the rugged stretch of the river. You know, Boise, think of the history of Boise, had there been able to have uh, boat travel between Lewiston and Boise. Yeah, and the other thing I want to know is what happened to the company that started this? (laughs) I think they went into another business. (laughs) But, you know, we live right here along the Snake River, Zeb, and, you know, portions of where we live here is wide, is smooth, there's no rapids, but... The Wilson Price Hunt uh, uh, party, the first ones to come down this direction, for going uh, downriver, yeah. uh, they got below the Milner area into the Cauldron Lynn. Oh, boy. And that was where uh, they lost uh, one of their boats and one of their men. Antoine Clapier was the first supposedly to, to white man to die in this area. Wasn't that about, uh, I'm going to say this, and you can correct me, about 1823? You know, in that I, area? Yeah, it's got to be right back in there, yeah. yeah. Not too long after uh, Lewis and Clark. And I've heard reports that a lot of the gear, the canoes, rifles, and supplies still are in that river. And I have actually heard people say that when the river has been low, that they have found, like, traps and, uh, yeah, like, say, uh, gear. Right. And they actually... Um, That's a spooky place down there. It is. If you've, and you and I have been there Many when it's times. been high water. Many times. Stay away from oh, the edge. Yeah. It is, it is amazing. Yeah. Even now, I, yeah. I know a few years ago, a, a uh, guy drowned in there yeah, uh, exactly trying to right. float it. Yeah. But supposedly, they actually uh, made a cache of some of their equipment and gear somewhere along that area that, that I don't think never, it's ever it been. It was never found. I don't think it's ever been found. Yeah, I read that someplace that it's still someplace along the Snake River. Yeah. Yeah. So the Snake River was great when it was good, and when it was bad, it was really bad. Yep. Yep. So anyway, that's the story of the Colonel Wright. And the end of her uh, steamboat. Ex- so, are, what was the deal when you walked in the house this morning and you asked me if I wanted to invest in a steamship company? <laughs> I, you looked at me a little curious. You weren't re- reaching for your wallet. But really, when you think about it, businessmen back in that day and age, why in the world? I guess maybe I'm questioning their intelligence, which I guess I am. Why would you take the word of the Army Corps of Engineers without really mapping and navigating the river yourself? And, you know, and, and I can't help but think that there had to be other word out there about this area. Yeah. I mean, uh, again, the Wilson Price Hunt Why Company. Why not talk to the trappers? Right. And see, they uh, split into three groups. And one group made it to Lewiston, and they had seen some of the river. And, and again, so I... Uh, they went into this pretty blind without, I think, getting information that was actually would have been available. Are you one of these kind of guys like I am that, like when you hear stories about the uh, fur trappers going down the Snake River right here in my backyard, literally, and uh, all the things that are lost and uh, the equipment and everything, I really would love to search for that. Well, and time and time again, they did. They may have been attacked by Indians or whatever, and maybe one of their boats got away from them lost all their gear in the river, like a bundle of uh, beaver pelts or the guns, the traps, all those things. And that equipment that you're 
talking about still would be here today, years later. Yeah, it would. Well, now, what about uh, that area of the the rivers where they joined at Lewiston? I mean, you're you're still talking some pretty wild water. Yes. uh, The Locksaw River is up there that dumps into the Clearwater. Uh, A few years ago, I floated that with some people, and... uh, I can guarantee it has more rapids per mile than the Middle Fork. Yeah, and I want to ask you about that river. I have never floated it, but now it's not a relatively deep river, is it? No, it's uh, fairly narrow. Uh, and uh, but in June, the first couple of weeks in June, that's when it's not too high or too low, and that's right. when most people float right. that. Right. Now the Middle Fork, I've gone down that as well, and uh, I got dumped out, and I was wishing I had two life jackets on I instead am, of one. I am not a fan of doing that kind of thing because I had a bad experience years ago uh, going down the salmon, and quite frankly, when they talk about all the different names for the different uh, tumultuous conditions in the water, fine. I'll read about them in a book from now on. I don't care. Yeah, I... I Gained a huge respect for whitewater. When you're underwater and holding onto a raft and you're seeing fish <laughs> swim above your head, not fun. No, no, and you're being tumbled and tossed through another little... Amen. Yeah. Amen. So. Well, that was a great story. And by the way, uh, last week we talked a little bit about the Oregon Trail, and we kind of had a real change. Last week with dry conditions, no food, no water, etc. This week with a lot of water. A lot of water. Yeah. Yeah. What are we going to talk about next week? Oh, that's a good question. That's why I asked. I'll know about next Sunday night. <laughs> okay. No, seriously, um, that river travel in those days in Hell's Canyon, spooky. Yeah. But, again, think about the Indians. The Indians knew where to float and how to float uh, all throughout these all these rivers. They knew where to get out and where to put in. Yeah. So well, that leads me to the question: Why didn't this company go talk to the Indians? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers. Hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 